Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of NKL's Convo. It's great to be back and it's great to, um, you know, just, yeah, as I always say that in every episode, but it's great to just have the reception you guys have, you know, been giving me and the way that Instagram and stuff has been kicking off, it's been crazy. But today's guest will, uh, is uh, Graham Hart. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Very well. It's great to, um, you know, as people don't know, it was uh, it took a, a, a while because life kind of got in the way, but I'm finally glad, glad to get you on, mate. Um, so like the question I'm always curious about people that go into like coaching and football and things like that was this always something like you wanted to do or was this kind of did it kind of slide in if there was like another dream or passion you had yeah I think I think with coaching it probably starts with playing so so when I was younger I kind of played pro youth and came through youth academies and things and I think a lot of a lot of people that coach are either when they're older, they've been professionals and then moved into the game from that way, or they've maybe not quite made the grade when they're younger and taken up sort of passion for coaching. And that was probably my route where probably wasn't quite good enough to make it to, to any sort of good level. So just played junior and things, but then went to study sport coaching and, and sort of things developed from there. So yeah, probably always have been passionate about the football side of things, but have to be honest probably wasn't good enough to, to make a uh, plane so coaching was probably the second option then yeah did you always want to like you know you know because you know, I, I should have really asked but um uh, the other people I've had on but was it always like um coaching like was it see when you're going to coaching and stuff like that do you pick like male or female or is it like do you just get kind of placed in that type of you know coaching role no so um when I started coaching I started coaching when I was 16 actually, so when I was playing sort of pro youth and uh, I was in the academies at St Mirren, uh, that's kind of started my, my coaching journey, so it's just a volunteer going in and helping out and really just picking up cones as such at that age um, and then obviously eventually went to university when, when sort of things didn't work out in terms of being full time and kind of knew I wasn't going to make the grade, so then went to uh, study at university and again it was sort of going around academies um, and coaching within the sort of academies and ended up coaching the university team that I was at, so at Aberté and Dundee. Uh, so I took the men's team there, actually, uh, which then uh, we had a bit of success with one of the league and, and got promoted from there. And then when I graduated, um, it kind of fell, into, and fell in line with St Andrews, where, um, St Andrews University were looking for a... For, uh, for coaches at that point, uh, they were looking for male and female uh, and the way it kind of worked out because I was still playing at this point, playing junior. So the nights of the females trained on actually worked out better for me. So kind of fell into the female route through, through sort of my playing so I could juggle both. Mm. And then ever since then, I've not wanted to coach male again because I just really enjoy coaching the female side of things. And... Uh, I just think it's a lot lot better for, for coaching and in a better environment. Yeah, yeah, and good for you as well. Now, like, you know how um, it's something I'm curious about football and, and speaking to people that, um, as people know, um, Derek Johnson and various other different people I've had on before and friends in football, they say, like, they say football is one of the best things for, like, your mental health because you literally have, like, in the gym, Obviously, you lift weights, but then you could sit on your phone. In football, you have to be concentrated the whole game. Like you can't be like taken out or taken away or anything. Else. What's your What's your opinion on that one? Yeah, 
I think I think it's as good good and bad. I think it certainly really really helps people's mental health in terms of being part of a team and being in an environment where where you're working for each other. So I think a lot of sort of individual sports and things where uh, or even just as you say going to the gym, it's it's a lot of pressure on yourself to do that. But having people around about you and support mechanisms around about you to go and actually be part of a team and, and achieve something together, that's probably the best feeling about it. Uh, being in that environment and when you win or when you do something really well you know you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for your teammates and and your fellow your fellow people that you want to do well for so from that point of view I think mentally it's a lot more rewarding um, in terms of the success but on the other hand it can also be really really challenging because when things don't go your way you, you feel like you've let a lot of people down you feel like it's not just so when you play an individual sport if you if you again if you kind of don't do it or you miss a date at the gym you're only letting yourself down whereas in team environments as much as you get the success as well you can go through real hard times personally because if you feel like you're letting your teammates down the last thing you want to do is tell them Mm. Uh, so sometimes it's it's been in that wee bubble of sort of you're in an individual bubble, but at the same time, you're in that team bubble. So it is really, really rewarding, and you do need to be part of it to, to understand it. But at the same time, it can be really challenging for individuals as well. Yeah, and say somebody, say like you've got somebody that feels like um, they are letting the team down and things like that. What do you tell them? Like, what do you what do you tell them to like maybe like obviously not literally clear their head, but how do you help them clear their head? Would be a better question. Yeah, from my point of view, that for me, the most important message I give any player is, first and foremost, you're playing to enjoy it. Like, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid millions and millions of pounds a year or you're doing it for free. Ultimately, everyone plays football because they enjoy it. That, that's, why they, that's why they play it. They don't play it because it's hassle and whatever. Mm-hmm. People don't play it just to get fit. People have just brought, been brought up and they love playing the game. So that's sort of the message I relay all the time whether they're struggling or not and so when they do struggle a wee bit and they maybe come and it's like look just just come along don't put pressure on yourself just come along and enjoy it um, and that's the most important thing is any player enjoys it it doesn't matter if you're the, the best professional in the world getting the most money ultimately your mental health will suffer if you're not enjoying it so they've really got to just turn up and I always say like everyone struggles with problems at home whether it be some people have bigger problems, some people have less problems, everyone has good days, everyone has bad days, and that is part of life, and, and, and we all want to be there for each other, but ultimately, I want people just to turn up in football as the release, and that's their, their sort of, they turn up, and they don't forget about their problems, because the problems are always going to be there, but they're turning up, and they're having fun, and, and, and they maybe go away, and the problems at home, they haven't disappeared, but maybe they've went away with a fresh attitude and a new outlook on it, and they can maybe go and help and solve their problems or whatever it may be they're suffering from. Yeah, yeah, because it does take a toll as well. Because sometimes you can't like, you can't, you don't feel like anybody necessarily cares about your problems, but which is what a lot of us feel. But like, as you're saying, when you're in a team environment, people genuinely do, because if you're letting they, they can even if you're not opening up that you're struggling or that they can tell you're struggling because they just you're not acting the same you're not moving the same for football you're not playing the same you're not concentrating and it, it does take a huge toll but see when um see when you're having to like uh you know sit down and before a game and stuff like that and there is you know like maybe multiple people are suffering at once 
is there a way to like obviously there's you know getting hyped and stuff like that but is there a way to communicate with people through football if that makes sense in the sense of like if they're all sitting as a team and stuff like that before a game if they're like I don't know about this we're nervous we're you know all this sort of stuff we don't know if we're going to win blah 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 how do you then turn that round and be like use that as a um use that as an advantage rather than a disadvantage if that if that makes sense yeah yeah so I think that probably comes down to a bit of confidence as well. And and it's really important. We've been really fortunate this season where we've not lost any games. So we, we're in a, a really fortunate position where we're obviously sitting top of the league and, and, and haven't lost a game so far this season. So from that point of view, uh, in the league, it, it, it's all been going well. But we've had a couple of defeats in the Cup. Yeah, they've been to teams in the league above. But ultimately, it's, it's reminding them that they're good players, reminding them that... They, the results they've had and the success they've had in the past. And it's it's one of them we try to say to the players, like, we don't get carried away when we win. We're not, we don't think we're the best team in the world. But ultimately, see, when, when you lose a game, it doesn't mean you're a bad team or it doesn't mean... So, so if players are suffering before a game or they're worried or they're nervous, end of the day, it's just, a, it's just a game of football. So it's literally going on a pitch against 11 other players with a football and trying to score more goals than them. So it's sometimes literally stripping it back down to the basics and really going... Look, just just go and play. Um, but it tends to be if players are worried and nervous that other players and the older players in the team are the more experienced players that have been in these situations before. They're the ones that sort of get through to the other players more than the coaching staff do. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're in the same boat, they're in the same environment where coaching staff are they're not playing the game, so they, they can't affect the game as much as the players can affect the game. So... Normally, if it's if it's people are nervous or people aren't sure that the older players will go and sort of speak to them or have a wee quiet word in their ear and make sure they're okay. So having having players in the changing room that are good people and good characters is, is probably the most important thing because they're the ones that can help in these situations. Mm. You see, in a, you know, when you've got to like, because um, the question I've, I've never actually been able to ask before because I keep forgetting about it, but... Say you've got a player on your team, right? Because obviously it's uh, Dungeon United women you're currently at, or ladies you're currently at. But uh, yeah. say you've got a player at your team and um, they're, they're coming in and they know, because I'm guessing it'll be the exact same as males, really. They're coming in and they know absolutely nobody. Like, they don't even know you. Well, they, maybe, they know who you are, but they've never met you or been around you or something. How do you then introduce that person to make them feel comfortable around a new environment? Again, it's, it's probably... The most important people is your players. Um, from a staff point of view, you can make players feel as welcome as they want, but ultimately, players aren't going to come into the environment and enjoy it if they don't like the fellow players. Whereas if you've got a coaching staff or you've got members of or members of your team in terms of your staff members that players maybe aren't particularly fond of, you can kind of get away with that because you've got the rest of the team sticking together. But if you've got a new player coming in and the new and the girls aren't or the the team isn't really taken to them, they're going to find it really difficult to settle in and actually produce their best stuff because they're not feeling part of something and they're not feeling like they can actually influence anything. So when a new player comes in, it's really important that you your sort of leaders in the team that they kind of take on board and they and they kind of take the player under their wing as such, if you want to call it that. So especially younger players, when younger players come in, they're the ones that tend to be really nervous and unsure. Uh, when older players come in, they tend to have 
been in that position before, so they know how to deal with it. They know they're coming into a new team. And the thing is, in football, there's always, not always, but a lot of the time, there tends to be someone in the dressing room or in the team that you either already know or you know through someone that you know. So it might be a friend of a friend that plays for someone else or you might have played for a team that she's friends with, so you've kind of got a wee link there already. Um, so when you, you do get players in like that, if you get anyone that and that does know someone, you kind of use them as your go-to. Mm. See, um, as well, so, you know, since it is Dundee United, you know, if, is that a team that you were always, I know, for, you know, for example, we said about uh, uh, University of St Andrews, it kind of just fell into place, but is Dundee United, like, is Dundee United your team from, obviously they will be now, but from back then, or was this kind of like the same thing? It was like a transition that you moved into into the team yeah so I was I'm actually a St Mirren fan so um, (laughs) and I do obviously been from outside Glasgow so uh, I don't think you've got many Dundee United fans from that neck of the woods but uh, yes I'm originally St Mirren so moved up to Dundee to study uh, and then sort of obviously got a soft spot from now because obviously I've been coaching there for so long and whatever Mm. Uh, but yeah kind of the Dundee United thing came about with um, the old manager Gavin, he he sort of brought me in as his assistant uh, when I was at St Andrews as a head coach. So he brought me in, and then obviously when he left, um, I got the job permanently. So it was one that kind of it did fall into place as such. But would I say I'm a United fan? No, because St Man's always going to be my team. But would I say I like to see United doing well? Yeah, probably. Yeah. See, um, because of his. Again, I don't know if there's a silly question or not. People are probably like, why on earth you're asking this? But it's been a it's been a coach that's a, that's you were saying that's full time. So like Monday to whatever day, or is that just at certain times of the day? Yeah, so so uh with the women's uh our team aren't full time, so we train at nights. So uh we we're in uh training at nights and then you play at the weekend on like a Sunday. Mm. Um and men's teams are sometimes like that as well. The lower down the levels you go, so higher up the levels you go, yeah, you're in full time. You're you're getting paid thousands and thousands a week and stuff. But um, the women's game's obviously grown a hell of a lot since Scotland qualified for the World Cup, and it's continuing to grow in this country uh, and just all over the world. It's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but certainly in Scotland, it's getting bigger and bigger. We've now got uh, teams in the top league offering full-time wages to players and stuff, so it's really good from that point of view. So, um, Coaching isn't, uh, at the moment, it isn't full-time as such, but you're always, even when you're not like on the field, you're still thinking about team selection, you're maybe planning sessions, you're trying to maybe sign players or you're talking to your own players. So um, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility there and there's a lot of extra work on top of what you already do. So... Um, the hours you put in isn't always the hours that you sort of you would expect. So mm. sometimes you're sitting up on the night before a game and two o'clock in the morning you're thinking about what happens if this happens and just things like that. You're waking up and trying to think of different ideas or different solutions to different problems on training or on the match days or you're thinking about all sort of possible outcomes. So yeah, it's not not really as simple as just a nine to five sort of Monday to Friday job unfortunately <laughs> yeah does that does that mean that you have another job you don't have to say what it is obviously but is that does that mean you have another job as well then 
Yeah, so yeah, I've got another job um, down in Antrother where, where I live as well. So that kind of um, that that that's what I do on the side, obviously, when I'm not at the coaching and stuff. So how? Because your time your time management must be like, if not impeccable, it must be like way up there. Because managing to do, you know, because I know how hard it is to have a podcast. Uh, college and work and train as a like as train as a strongman. So I know how hard it is to juggle all that. But how do you how do you manage to juggle your time? Like how do you set out, you know, days for work and coaching, but then also like because everybody needs downtime. So how do you set that up throughout each day? Yeah, so kind of week to week, pretty similar to be honest, because it's the easiest way to do it, and it's a, a, like so. So we have the games on a Sunday. So Monday's sort of reflection day and, and go through everything that's happened from the game uh, Tuesday tend to sort of do my other job during the day but um, coach at night Wednesday, Thursday pretty much the same um, Friday, Saturday it's then obviously you're put, putting things in place but Monday, Monday's a really busy day because you're planning for the week, you're planning for everything to go on you're planning your sessions, you're yeah, you're just basically reflecting and planning at the same time. So, uh, Monday's a real big day where you kind of you spend time catching up and and whatever. And I'm fortunate enough with the job I've got uh, and the support mechanisms in there from my management and stuff that they kind of allow me to not pick and choose my shifts as such. But if I'm if I'm needing a couple of hours off here to do something for coaching or I need to go and watch a game or watch a player, they will allow me to leave early or to come in late and things like that, so really fortunate in terms of that, so uh, obviously not everyone's as fortunate as me in terms of having that sort of support mechanisms in place, but I think they appreciate the time and effort I'm putting in, so it's one that having having a job that allows me to go and then do my coaching and then go and take time off when I need to take time off or do this or whatever it may be, um, it's a massive help in terms of managing your time as well, so yeah, it's it, it's difficult at times, but if you're again, if you're organised and you know what you're doing uh, from week to week and day to day, it's it's pretty easy if you're you're on top of things. Yeah, it's admirable to be honest with you. Um, so see when you do have off time. I know you said you you <clears throat> used to play and things like that. So when you have off time, are you then going and like maybe like playing with your mates or like as in football, playing mates, playing football with your mates is what I meant to say there. Yeah. Or do you have like other things you do in your off time? Uh, yeah, so I've obviously I've got a, a, a son that's eight years old. So me, me and my partner, we, we don't get a lot of time together. So when we do, we tend to try and spend it together as much as possible. But uh, my downtime is normally going watching football. Uh, I take take my son because he loves he loves the football and stuff. So if we get any opportunities to go and watch games live, um, that that's sort of my downtime. I get to spend the time with my son and we kind of like going to the football together. It's like our thing. So any games that are on in any area, so male, female, junior, professional, anything, if there's anything going on, we'll try and get to it as much as possible. So um, if there's no games on, then obviously spending time with their partner is, is obviously important as well. But yeah. she's, um, I think she likes it because I, when I take him away, it gives her peace and quiet. So <laughs> uh, she's quite supportive from that side of things as well. Yeah, yeah. See how... Uh... I didn't actually know you had an eight-year-old son, but see see him then. Are you wanting him to grow up? Not wanting him, but 
encouraging him to grow up into football or are you just, you know, you would rather he did whatever he wanted to do? Nah, I'm not overly bothered. I, he, he does football, he does tennis, he does golf, he goes to swimming. So he's a very active kid. And for me, all, all I care about is he's happy. So he does love the football and he loves going to it. But do I push him? And I, don't, I don't like going to his games. And well, I like going to his games, but I don't like coaching him at his games. And I don't like like take him down the park and tell him what to do. Like I'll go down the park and just let him kick a ball about. Um, for me, it's just all about fun and him, him enjoying himself if you want. He'll get to an age where if he's ready to go and push himself, he can go and push himself. But at eight years old, for me, just let him go and play and enjoy it. And he does the same at golf, he does the same at tennis, whatever it is he does. He just as long as he's having fun, that's that's my main my main priority. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, as being a, being a coach and stuff like that, I don't actually know the, the answer to this question. But um, you obviously, obviously, you, obviously, you have a huge care for the players and what they say and things like that because it doesn't. It's not necessarily that it like reflects on you as much, but it's a, it's like a outlet for them as well. As I'm talking about social media, and uh, people will know the question I'm going to ask. But do you think nowadays, when you're wanting to be in like a public facing role, you should necessarily watch what you post on social media when it comes to, for to give a bit of context to that? It's like if you're posted, you going out all the time. People are going to be like, well. He doesn't actually do anything but drink, but this and but that. Or do you think you should kind of still be yourself and, you know, but obviously have that limit where you're not saying like outrageous, outrageous things? What's your opinion on that one? I think people should just be themselves, to be honest with you. I think social media has ruined the world, to be honest with you, in terms of people can't be themselves nowadays because people are worried. And it it's a kind of, it's a vicious circle because you're now finding that employers are now sacking people because based on what they post on social media, even though it's what they believe and what, what they believe in on social media. So if if, um, if people are posting things that they believe in, it's not to say they're right or wrong, but they can post whatever they want. It's their own account and they're not posting it from wherever they work, whether it be working in um, a pub, whether it be working in uh, a travel company, whether it be their, in sport, whatever it may be that they work in. Like, People are now finding that they can't post anything on social media about how they feel. So I think social media has now became a, a place where people are posting things because it's what they think people want to hear and what people think they want to like. So when you're actually seeing things on social media, you don't know if they're true or not. You don't know if people are lying. You don't know. A lot of the time people are doing things to try and impress people. So you're not getting a true, true reflection of what people are actually like. Um, and obviously you don't get that anyway until you meet someone, but just in general, I don't think I don't think social media is a great place for actually um, understanding what people are like, and I think uh, I think that's led to more and more problems with with people's mental health because they're trying to live up to people people's pressures that people are putting on on each other, and they see something and think, "Oh, I need to be that," or they see like they see someone driving a car that's not even their car, but they just posted it on social media to try and make themselves look good and just things like that you just think you don't need to do that so it's um yeah i i think people should just be posting what they think but they can't because again it's a vicious circle because if they go and post what they believe and what they think they probably lose their job mm. so it, it's it's not always a it's not always the right place to do it but again i believe that people should be able to have that freedom to go and post what they believe and what they want to believe in but nowadays people are getting into trouble left, right and centre, so do people do actually need to watch what they're doing. 
It's very true. It's the, the, th the thing about, so even I've found in that, it's things you say, even if they're not bad, everybody will still judge you or based off what you said. It's not like yeah. you don't even have to say anything negative at all. If you say something positive, people are like, why can you, like if you, um, just because you said car, if you got a new car and you're really happy about it, you worked hard and you post it, people will be like, you do know people can't afford cars. So why are you now posting yeah. this about your car? And just like you didn't, yeah. you can, as, as I say to people as well, is that you can just unfollow somebody if we're talking about Instagram or Twitter. Like you don't actually have to view what they say. That's the problem. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's a big problem for, and I think it's more the younger generation as well. And, uh, and it's a thing that more and more people are becoming more and more obsessed with what people think about them and what what uh, what people perceive as, as the right thing or the wrong thing. When I was growing up, it was like, who cares? Just, just, <laughs> it's just do what you want and like, be who you are. Uh, Nowadays, you've got to have the biggest car, the biggest house, the biggest this. Or if someone's got that, you've got to have that. If, like, I've heard even more son come back from school and all of a sudden someone at his school's got a, an electric scooter. So he wants an electric scooter and you're like, no, that's not, that's not how the world works. You can't just get something because someone else has got something. So, um, yeah, I think I think social media has got a, a massive role to play in a lot of that. But I doesn't also don't think it. I think social media could also change people's outlook and things. But it doesn't. People don't use social media the right way. I think that also. Um, I think that's got a lot to answer for as well because people create all these fake accounts and all these um, to start disruption or start like causing a wee bit of uproar or whatever it may be. So. Social media could actually help as well. I know it's massive in this day and age. Everyone's got technology, things develop, and that's the world. But it could actually help in a way as well. But it's not used correctly um, by likes of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They can, they should be able to put filters on people and whatever it may be, what they're posting, mm. uh, to actually maybe help people mentally as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's. You know, and, and on the theme of social media and mental health, if um, obviously if one of your uh, team members comes back, as in like the players, I should say, come back and they're like, look, you know, this person's posting this negativity or I've posted, um, I don't, uh, <laughs> I've, I follow footballers, but I don't really want to talk about it. Like I follow like, I'm uh, um, a fan of the game, not the team. So I'll go to any game and just watch it because I like I like the sport, like the camaraderie. That's my type of thing. So I follow yeah. pretty much somebody from every team in Scotland. It's crazy. But anyway, when a t a player comes back and it's like you know so and so is posting and um, say they've posted a, a picture of them on the pitch scoring a goal or cheering or you know a, a hug or something like that, but then someone's posted negativity and they come to you and like coach, look at what's happened here and how do I deal with this? If somebody does that, how do you then tell them pretty much what you just told me? But how do you then convince them? Look, their opinion doesn't matter. How do you how do you do that? <laughs> it's very hard. Uh, it's it's very very hard because I can say I can say it doesn't matter, but ultimately they're coming to you because it does matter. So uh, it's it's a very very difficult situation, and if people are struggling and um, struggling with that, probably the best. The best trying advice is, is actually just come off if you if if just come off social media and that's easier said than done as well. But mm. ultimately, if you're posting things and, and and then people are then commenting on it and you and you can't handle the comments. For me, 
it's not that you can't handle them. Maybe the comments are wrong as well. So it's not to say that the comments are right, but if you don't want to hear it because there's nasty people in the world, that's the way the world is. You're not going to, yeah, in an ideal world, we all have nice people and no one's racist. No one, yeah, we can try and stamp it out, but until Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, get rid of all these fake accounts and whatever, it's always going to be there because people aren't genuine on social media. These are all people that are putting on a putting on a show for other people, trying to be the big person and try to show off. So until there's actually these things put on social media where it's actually, you know, it's the you know genuinely that that is the person that's posting it. They've got a profile picture that's not hiding behind a, a black screen or it's not hidden behind a, a, a computer person's face or whatever it may be. You can only have one profile. Uh, until that happens, you're not going to, you're not going to stop what goes on in social media. So it's always going to be there. So sometimes it's maybe best just taking a break from it and just stepping away so you don't need to read about it and whatever. And then hopefully at some point, these big companies decide actually social media needs needs to be looked at properly and then it, the changes need to be made. Yeah, yeah. Again, I totally agree with what you're saying, everything. Now, I do think, I mean, you come across it, for example, you know, um, if I post something and, you know, even if it's a clip like this, um, that people obviously speak in that and then you see people and they post and they've got like, follow like 100 people, they've got zero followers, no pictures, and it's just like a, a, a random picture of a cat or a dog and that and it's like why is somebody behind this account going out of their way yeah. to be someone else to give someone else hate it it, it, it blows my mind yeah. but yeah uh, uh, yeah it's I, it's uh, it's one of them that you you kind of you, you can't change it until Facebook Twitter etc until they do it because People could have 10 accounts. So they shut one down and they just open another one. They shut one down, they just open another one. So you're always going to have people do that. And people jump on the bandwagon to try and people say things to try and get likes. People mm -hmm. say things to try and get followers. People are controversial because actually they might be quite a boring person. And that's fine. If you if you've just been yourself and you're quite you're quite within yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. But some people feel that they need to be liked or they need to have followers or they need to have just be yourself. You don't need to. You don't need to impress anyone. So there's people out there that feel that they need to go and do stuff. So they create a second account or they create a third account, so that that account can get loads of likes and loads of followers or whatever. And they feel they feel that maybe that's that's the best way of connecting with people, and that's wrong as well. So it's one of them that you need you need to put things in place to stop it happening. Otherwise, you're always going to find that social media is actually a nasty place at times. Mm. See, so, yeah, um to shift subjects a little bit because like another thing I'm curious about say someone's coming up the ranks and, uh, and we're talking about football now say somebody yep. comes up the ranks um, in football and they don't know you know maybe they're watching this and they don't necessarily know how to uh, either one get scouted by a team or two like approach someone like yourself what do you to, for obviously to get um, uh, taken on as a player what, what would you say to someone that's looking for something like that just ask the question. It's it's that simple for me. It's it's I've always been brought up with the motto in life: if you don't ask, you don't get. And and I think with having an older brother and older sister, I've had to kind of make sure that I do because otherwise they kind of took over in the house. So for me personally, it's like if you don't ask someone, if you don't ask someone for a trial, if you don't ask someone if you can come in and train, you're never going to 
know if they would have said yes or no. And a lot of coaches like myself, if players ask to come in and train, they're not going to say no. If players ask for a trial, you're not going to say no because that player could be that player could add something to your team. You don't know. Like if you've never seen that player play before, if you've never seen that player, um, if you don't know that player as a person, you don't know if they'll fit into your team, if you'll fit, if they'll be good enough. So if they don't ask, if it normally with these sort of players, it's players that you've never seen before or never seen play. So these are ones that if they do cut normally, um, if they do come in, you're not going to say no to them because you don't know what they could offer. Hmm. And see, like, um, <clears throat> you know, somebody somebody gets that offer and then they come to the team and then they're playing along and then, like, they're having to get shifted teams but um, or maybe they, they get scouted, they get to put an offer, but they're unsure if they should go. I know this is, like, a it's kind of a weird question to ask, but how do you then convince that player that it's maybe, like, a, not because they're bad, I'm, I'm not saying that, but maybe convince the player that it's a good move that they go to the other team. What would you, because maybe like you're like, you'd actually suit better or this is closer to where you want to be. Or how do you then speak to that player and be like, this is a good opportunity for you if they want to just stay with you? Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest bit. That's probably the hardest thing to do is is move players on. Uh, but you've got to be honest with players. Uh, so if, if you're not getting game time and whatever, you can speak to them and, Sometimes it is the right move to go and get game time or go and play, or sometimes they're just not they're just not maybe at the level you're wanting them to be at. Um, so you have to be honest with them, and sometimes that can be brutal, uh, but you try and put it in as nice a way as possible because ultimately, if they stay and you don't want them to stay, it's not going to be good for anyone really. Um, if you're trying to come, if you're if you're wanting rid of a player and they're desperate to say and you're not telling them you want rid of them, really, it's always going to end in, in in a bad way because the player doesn't then know you actually want rid of them as such. So you've got to be honest with them. You've got to you've got to be polite to them, especially depending on um, the length of time that they've been at the club and whatever, and assuming that they've not caused any trouble or any friction. So if they've been a good servant to you, for example there's ways and means of doing it and that's probably the hardest bit is, is making sure you do that properly and you don't you don't sort of um, do it in the wrong way as such. Hmm. So say like, um, I know this is probably a weird question to ask because again, like you, you obviously have a team, you've been there for four, what, four years you've been at Dungey? Is that, am I correct in saying that? Four uh, just, uh, yeah, just about, just about four years. Just, yeah. just about four years. Say you got offered another opportunity um, but you weren't, I know it's kind of like, because obviously, um, like as we're saying, I always like to relate things back to myself, so it's easier for people to know that, like I have training partners, so we're like a family, we train together, eat together, have banter together, we have a group chat, like, so when one of us is like, we're going to go away, it's really weird, because you're like, where's the missing person? So say you yeah. got offered an opportunity where they were like, you know, I want to go to, you know, St. Martin, there we go, you're going to go to St. Martin, uh, ladies or something, how would you then? I know it's a. How would you then explain to the uh, the ladies that you have, or uh, there or them that you have that like, look, I'm going to go away because things wouldn't be the same if you're not there. Not just because it's you, but just because of you're like obviously it's like a family environment. How would you deal with that one? Yeah, that 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 that's probably really difficult. Um, and kind of had to do it a wee bit when I was at uh, the university, just because of certain certain things that happened and whatever. So. It was really difficult when you, you build up that sort of uh, relationship with the players as such. Um, 
ultimately you're not there to be the player's friends, you're there to get the best out of them, but you, you do build up a sort of bond with them where where there is that coach to player sort of bond where you, you sort of you obviously need to go on well with each other, but you need to be honest with them and I think there's a I think it probably respects the right word to use where they respect you and you respect them. Uh, so when you when you do leave if, or if you decide that it's, it's better elsewhere, that's probably the hardest bit because you probably lose a bit of that respect uh, from from the sort of players uh, if you decide to leave, unless it's uh, unless it's mega mega money and they, they completely understand if it's if it's you're leaving to go to another club but basically in the same situation, I think you probably lose a bit of respect from the players that way. Mm. Uh, I think if you're making a massive step up and you're getting offered life-changing money. I don't think you'd be losing much respect from the players. I think mm. they would probably understand that. Uh, so it really depends on the situation. It depends on 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 where you're leaving to go as well. And um, where it probably, if you're leaving to go and make a step up and get paid a lot more money, that's going to that's going to make you settled and make your family settled. I think it's a pretty easy one to do, and it's a no-brainer, and they can sort of understand that. Whereas if you're just leaving to go to another team. And do exactly the same job for exactly the same money or exactly the same whatever. That's when it becomes probably difficult to sort of tell them and actually let them know and and whatever. But um, yeah, I've never really been in that position. Hopefully not. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the hardest thing to do would be if you were going to another club of a similar stature. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure. Any of your team will, will listen to this, I'm sure they'll, uh, or watch this, I'm sure they'll be curious about this question. Say, like, you're having, obviously, we won't talk about what struggles because that's personal and realise that, but say you're having struggles yourself and um, outside of, like, football or outside of, like, your coaching type stuff, what, like, and how do you then um, know not to bring it onto the coaching thing? Because, obviously, people's tension becomes really low when they've got a lot of trouble and they don't want to say then, but how do you then not express that to anyone else? Yeah, it's really, really difficult in terms of in, in that sense. Um, not not so much in terms of. I'm fortunate enough that that uh, I've not had too many challenges from that that point of view. Uh, so I completely understand there's people out there that get challenges every day. I'm I'm fort- in a fortunate position where where I've not had as many challenges as other people to overcome. But there are certainly days where you've kind of had bad days and. You just don't want to be there at times. And it's again, it goes back to what I said earlier about football's your release and just getting over that and really looking forward to something. Like if I could have a bad day at work, I can't wait and it being over. As soon as it's over, I'm like, right, focus on the football and go in. And it's really important that as a coach, you've got to remember that you're the focal point. You're the one that the players are relying on to put on a good session. You're the one that the players look for for whether it be advice, whether it be creating energy, whether it be for telling them off and raising standards, you're the one that needs to do all that. So it is a lot of pressure from that point of view, but ultimately that's why you do it, because you enjoy it and you want to do that and you want to help them get better and you want to help them improve. So it, it, it has, does have its challenges, but at times it's it, it's one of them that you need to be there for the players as well, that... You've got 20, 23, whatever it may be, players there relying on you to do the best possible thing for them as well. So you're not just putting pressure on yourself if you're, if you're having a bad day. And that's the way I sort of channel it as such, as 
yeah, if I'm having a bad day or if I'm having a rubbish day, I'm not just going to let myself down, I'm going to let another 20-odd people down. So I need to basically focus and get get myself back in a better place uh, so that when, when we go on that training field, everything's the way it should be. Yeah. So say you're um, structuring, oh, I guess you won't, well, you might say you're um, structuring a team and things like that, and obviously you've got your team set up of, uh, you said 11 players, wasn't it? Is that what you? Yeah. Yeah, 11 players. You, uh, so then, but you've got, <clears throat> how do you then tell people that are like really wanting a game or they can't get a game? How do you then tell them that you're not picking them? Because I can imagine it's not just as easy as being like, yeah, I'm not choosing you today. I'm not choosing you today. Yeah, that but that's in terms of uh, managing players, that's the hardest bit. You've got to be honest with them as well, and you've got to tell them why other players are maybe playing in front of them. But uh, ultimately, to win something or to be a to be a successful team, it can't just be a bit of loving players. So, so there are weeks where players won't play. There's weeks that players should play and they won't play. Uh, but ultimately, it's building a squad that's good enough to go and win trophies and win and win leagues and. If you've got that dynamic in your squad where you understand that and realise that, uh, you'll you'll be successful. And if you don't have a squad that's um, got strength and depth in terms of after you're starting 11, you, you may be good for certain games, but you're not going to sustain that over the course of a season because you're going to miss players through injuries, suspensions, holidays, whatever it may be. Uh, you're going to be missing players at some point throughout the course of the season. So... It's really important that you, you do have that squad mentality and people, players understand that look, you're not playing for this reason. You might not agree with it, but that's the reason behind it. Uh, but it might be next week, it might be three weeks in line that you come back in and you play. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing, because a lot of people might think it's a little bit of a downer on them a little bit, but it's not because at the end of the day, all they're focusing on is like, you know, it's teamwork, as, as you said before um, and earlier on, that it literally is all about teamwork. Football is one of the very few games, obviously rugby, things like that, but it's based on pretty much teamwork. You all have to have that connection together and so on and so on. But say um, say you're looking for a player, like I guess you might be now, you don't have to necessarily say it, but say you're looking for a player and that, what, um, what type of thing would you look for in someone right now? Well, we'll say like this, this year necessarily, that you're like, you know, you'd be a really good fit for my team. What, what would you say onto that one? First and foremost, it probably depends on positionally. So, if you've got um, if you've got two strong goalkeepers, for example, going and signing a third goalkeeper would be just ludicrous because you, you can only play one at a time for a goalie. So, so, so first and foremost, they've got to suit where you're sort of needing players positionally uh, from that aspect. Uh, secondly, you've got to do your sort of homework on them and, and are they good enough? Where do they play? What position are they playing in? Are they up to the standard? And then lastly, it's what, what type of person are they? Are they going to come in and are they going to come in and add to the group? Are they going to come in and not speak to anyone? Are they going to have uh, a personality? Are they going to be outspoken? Are they going to be um, shy? All these sort of things you need to understand. Because they can players come can come in a group and be really shy, but actually they can still add to the group, and and players can be really outspoken and really vocal, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad 
they're bad for the group. Your group might need two or three players like that, and that, that's going to that's going to speak out on behalf of them, or going to going to actually go and tell you how it is at times as well. So, so some people think, oh, they're not a nice person, or they're not a bad character because they're vocal. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And then people might think, oh, well, she's really quiet. That doesn't necessarily mean she doesn't add anything to the group either. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about finding out where your group's at and trying to understand where they can fit in as well. Yeah, yeah. There's like having a space for everybody. And I guess like you're just saying, as long as you slot into that space, fine, it's, it's all right. But you are still, you know, have to actually get on with your teammates and things like that. But say for, um, you know, for yourself now, it, you know, obviously you put a lot of time into effort into your obviously coaching, full-time job, family and various other things. And, you know, it, make, it makes me think, like, what, what's what's your overall dream with yourself? Like, or I know I say dreams, but goals would be a better one yourself. Where where, where would you see, I'm not going to say see yourself in five years, because that's so cliche, but where would you see yeah. yourself in, like, the future would be a, a better way to put it? Uh, probably just working full time, probably, uh, in football, because uh, obviously I love the game, played it, coached it. Uh, but yeah, just not having to juggle the workload and family and and, and your line coaching on top of that. Like you just need to focus on your family and your football. Uh, so having that full time job is uh, is obviously the end goal. Um, where that may be, there's I'm sure my partner wouldn't mind me saying, but she she's quite uh, open to going overseas and. And living overseas somewhere as well so something we've discussed before we've looked at before so um yeah something something a bit different i think uh while i'm, I'm sort of in scotland i'm quite happy where i'm at um so if i was to move it would probably be something something that's going to be changing not just my own life but probably my family's life and stuff as well so it's got to be right and got to be the right opportunity as well so um when I'm in somewhere, I'm quite loyal and I'm very passionate to to what I do. So uh, when I was at St Andrews, I was there for over eight years. Um, so yeah, so once I get in somewhere, whether it be work, whether it be job-wise, quite passionate about what I do um, and where I want to be. So it's got to be the right move. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not the sort of person that's going to go six months to six months to six months in different jobs and, and moving about. So um, yeah, it's just about finding that right right role and right job and at the moment I'm not actively looking because I'm quite happy where I'm at but um, if opportunities come up you've obviously got to look at them especially if it's something that that's right for the family and, mm. and that's probably the most important thing for me is like my son he's quite settled at school and and my partner she's quite settled in her life as well and although they both want to move abroad at some point it's got to be right because you can't just be moving them and them not enjoying themselves as well so can't just be selfish that way either, but uh, yeah, definitely something in the future to get abroad at some point. Uh, yeah. If you were, if you were to say, well, you don't have to say, but if there was a certain place abroad you would go, where would where would it be? It always used to be America, and and it probably still America is probably still out there, but probably in the last two years I've really really fancied to look at Scandinavia, which is which is a bit different, but. Wow. I really like how they how they work things out there and and the way football works and the way they kind of invest and develop and stuff out there. So I think I think Scandinavia is probably the one area of the world that they really try and develop as much as they can. Uh, 
I think they've got a similar sort of um, ideas of where they want to get to, but I think they actually go and put, put them in. But I've always said America. Uh, my partner would definitely say America. She's she's uh, she's been there a couple of times as well. So, but for me, I, I quite uh, the last couple of years, the more I've kind of seen different things and read different things, it would def- probably Scandinavia would be one that would sort of interest me. Yeah. So like, I always like to end on like a really positive note. So like, and uh, where that be like with a couple questions, it's like, I've got a question and then, um, you know, I'll get another thing off yourself, but you know, cause I've literally forgot to ask this one, but see when um, we all have like crazy obstacles. Right. And um, it, it sometimes, as you said before, some people have like bigger uh, quote unquote, bigger, um, you know, problems and little problems, you know, like, oh, I can't fix my car and then, you know, or I can't actually afford my rent, all this, so there's like huge problems and it's all relative, but yep. say for your, yourself and things like that, say when you have like um, uh, obstacles and an obstacle comes your way, how do you then, how do you overcome it? And then when you have overcome it, how do you then use that for um, future references of, to that obstacle, if that makes sense? Yeah, so <laughs> people that know me and my partner kind of drives her insane at times as well because I don't stress about anything. Uh, like, I'm passionate about things. I get worked up and I get sometimes angry about if things aren't the way we want them to be, but I don't I don't stress and I don't worry about anything. So, um, yeah, first and foremost, it's assess what, what's going on. Like, no point in stressing and worrying because all it does is make things worse. So... You can't change whatever you're stressed and worried about. You can't you can't change it, or you or you're going to make things worse if you're worried about an exam tomorrow. What's the point in worrying about it? You, you're not going to change what's going to happen. You're going to go into that exam and you're going to do what you're going to do. So stress and worrying about it's probably going to make it worse. If it's you've got a flat tire in the car, for example, where I'm just picking a two random situations, but if you've got a flat tire. Stress worrying when you've got a flat tire, it's pointless because you've got it, you can't you can't undo it. So again, it's it's something that whether it's happened in the past or whether it's something that's going to happen in the future, for me, stress and worrying, there's no point. There's genuinely no point to it because it's something and I know it's easier said than done. Um, and then obviously when once once you go over the problem, whatever it may be, um it's learning from it. So um it's, it's understanding why that thing happened. Was it a bit of unluck? Was it just a bit of luck? Was it something that you could have prevented? Why could you have prevented that? Okay, that's fine. So put things in place to stop it happening again in the future. If it's a case of literally like any any sort of type of luck, you, you can't change it sometimes. Sometimes things happen and sometimes you can't affect anything. So um, yeah, it's just one of these things that you, you might be traveling, for example, traveling to a game and there's a crash in the road and you can't get past it you can't change that you can't that's not your fault that's about that's not anything you couldn't have planned for that you couldn't have done anything you didn't know that someone was going to happen in front of you so there's times where things happen and it's just things that happen in the world and it's luck so again it depends on the situation it depends on the scenario but certainly not stressing or worrying is certainly something I would say first and foremost is don't stress or don't worry because you can't change yeah yeah exactly that's that's what i always say to people as well when it comes to like various different things and 
although you have struggles and stuff like that, or like as you're getting, even when like, um, as we talked about before, you're getting negativity in that, you're letting that person, like as the cliche saying goes, you let the person live uh, rent free in your head. It's the same with situations, you're letting it get to you and stuff. But most of the time, um, people are like compulsive overthinkers. So like the, the, the littlest thing and next thing you know, it's this big, huge ordeal and you're stressing and it's like, what are you on about? When you explain it to someone like this makes no sense why you should be, because it's not going to affect you today, tomorrow, ever. It's going to affect you in maybe like 10, yeah. 20 years. So it, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, on that note, that the, um, another question is that, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you have because uh, everybody I've spoken to has that. See, when like um, it comes to the word fear, I know people say it means like face everything and rise, and there's lots of like different sayings and stuff that goes to work towards it. But say when you've um, ever had to like face your fears and that, what 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 did like how did you then, you know, overcome them? Because I can realize when someone's fear, I don't mean phobias by the way, but I mean like if if you actually go to face your fears, it's 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 a lot, it's overwhelming, it's draining that. So for yourself and that, how did you uh, how did you do it if you have had to do it? I think it's it, it's it's something that that's there and it's there for a reason. And I always think like if you're wanting, and I say this, and we've got two or three young young academy kids at the moment trying to break into the first team from from the sort of uh, the youth teams. Um, and I always say it's like, is it something that you really want enough that you need to go? And do something that's right out out with, your, out with your comfort zone. So, if it is something that's worth it, then you need to face it. You need to go and get through it, and whatever it may be, because it's there for a reason. So, yes. there's a reason everything's there. And if it's if it's you need to get past enough ten players to get into the team, then day ten players are there for a reason. They're not there because they're there because we need to have a strong squad or we need to have a strong um, a strong pool of players. So if you've came in and you're at the sort of that you've came in at the bottom of the chain, if you like, or whatever, you've got ten players to overcome to get in the squad or in the team. Mm. They're there for a reason. Now, do you want to push yourself and really get through that fear of actually maybe going out your comfort zone and maybe having to to go and do a run in your own time or having to go and do some extra training to get get past them? And that's something maybe you don't want to do. That's something that that's a fear of, oh, no, I don't want to go a 5K because I, I'm scared my time is going to be terrible or I'm scared that it's not going to be good enough. Well, if you don't start somewhere, if you don't do it, again, I'm just using a different example, but yeah. it, it's it's one that overcoming fear is, is really something that probably you need to do. And as you say, it's, we're not talking about phobias because I wouldn't touch a spider, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. But... Uh, yeah, so even things like that where you're worried and, again, a lot of fears come because it's what people think of them. And I think it's getting worse and worse in the world. Than from when I was growing up, there was... People didn't judge you, really. Or people... Um, bullying wasn't as big a thing or things like that. Like, there wasn't that as much social media as we've spoken about already or wasn't there that much pressure on people now to, to look a certain way or to act in a certain way. So fears are becoming bigger and bigger because of what what uh, what people may think of them. For example, if you look at women's football, for example, children growing up, 20 years ago, uh, and you hear it, obviously I didn't experience it, but you hear it from older players uh, playing the game, uh, 
female point of view is a lot of these female footballers had to train with men or train with boys back when it was boys. So when they're growing up, if they're playing under 10s, under 11s, they're having to play with boys because there was no girl. It was frowned upon or it was looked at funnily or it just wasn't the norm for, for girls to be training in a girls' team 20 years ago, whereas now it's the norm. So, so again, these people 20 years ago are maybe facing their fears of they're doing it because they want to play football, but it maybe didn't look as good as it or whatever. Um, but yeah, nowadays there's there's so many more fears and barriers to overcome. But I also think there's a lot more barriers getting broken down, as I said, in terms of trying to to do away with the sort of gender gender thing or the racism thing. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's not going to happen overnight, and it's a long, long process and a long, long road. But the more barriers we can break down in society and break down is as people and, and, and all kind of work together for the end goal, I think it will be, I think people will then start having less and less fears because I think the fears have been created by social media and a lot more fears are getting created by social media. Um, so yeah, if we can start breaking the barriers down of what people need to look like or judging people and what they need to do or how they need to act, then I think we can hopefully sort of get the world and get people in a better place. Yeah, yeah. I think that note, that on that note, that's probably like one of the best things we've ended on. If I'm being perfectly honest, and the fact that like, you know, because you hear it all the time, like I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that, and it's like why, and it's like because I don't know what people are thinking. You can't go through life wondering what, like you're saying, wondering what people. You can't make everybody happy. Like this is what, like I think some people, and um, I'm sure you're telling your son as well. But like I tell uh, any, I tell uh, you know, even like the, the kids around here and stuff like that, and then they talk about, you know, what do you do? Because if everybody speaks to everyone around here, so they're like, what do you do? And bloody blind, they're like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I'm afraid. And I'm like, why Why would you be afraid at such a young age? It makes no sense. To me, you need to like, as I tell them, to me, you need to go and you need to really like be driven at your age because when you hit my age and you, it, if you don't have that drive, like if you've never developed it, life is going to be so much harder for you when you've hit my age to then try and develop the drive, develop the confidence, develop things that you do really need to have it. Well, at least have the foundation there when you're younger to then obviously progress it and move forward and things like that. It's, 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 yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard lesson to learn, but when you've learned it, it's, it definitely helps. Anyway, I can definitely foresee that one, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's, um, but yeah, I do want to like, again, I do want to, it's finally great to have you on. It was all my fault, but like just family and various different avenues and that, but it was great to have you on. And uh, what I do want to say is, um, do you have any, uh, if you want to, obviously, do you have any social medias that you can like, if people want to reach out to you or that at all, they can give you a shout on? Yeah, um, they can get me on uh, Twitter. It's just at Graham Hart uh, 89. So they need me on Twitter or anything or any questions to ask or, or whatever they can sort of contact me through that yeah and uh, yeah as i say to everybody as always like as i just said you need to like it is like 2022 is a weird year because it seems to be everybody's more motivated ever since the you know lockdown happens and stuff but you do really need to kill it this year and uh, again thank you very much for your time graham thank you very much for everybody watching listening like comment subscribe you know just be a better you this year thank you very much see you later on